Hello and welcome to the lineup on the True Blue LA podcast channel. Jacob Birch, Eric Stevens here. One week left. This is how uh, shocking that is to me. I thought it was a week and a half left. I thought the Dodgers had another three-game series against somebody. I've, I don't know. I, I, Diamondbacks, I think, was in my head. Uh, they, they don't. Yeah. They don't have that, Eric. I was wrong. They're. I will say it's weird because the season ends on a Wednesday, which I mean, it wasn't supposed to. It, it only did. That might, that they, might have been playing a part. And yeah. the fact that there will be this essentially weekend uh, where the uh, baseball is being played and the Dodgers are not. Yeah, it's just we you just sit back and chill and watch wild card stuff, uh, and then and then open the NLDS on the Tuesday after. So yeah, it's so, good stuff. How we've this is this is our last podcast record of the regular season. Wow, that's that's weird. I don't know oh, if yeah, our next one will be. Probably it won't be a playoff preview because no. it'll be we'll preview the wild card weekend, but the Dodgers aren't a part of it. So it'll be kind of us wrapping up the regular season and looking to what might happen. But we'll do another episode before the NLDS actually starts. And Probably. also next <laughs> next Wednesday is a day game, so like we usually record Wednesday night. So like by the time we record Wednesday, the season the regular season will be yeah. Over. There's, and there there's no games one sixty three, so there there can't be like an extra day like of. of so the regular season will truly be over. So. Yep. No. So yeah, we'll we'll do a little put a bow on the regular season, but we'll get we'll get a playoff preview and somehow um, complications behind that. But we're gonna that's gonna be my tease. My tease is a complication. We'll fig- but you and I will figure it out uh, and we'll talk about it live on air after the after the break, and then we'll catch up with what news has come out since then. And we've got questions from Craig after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the next time, so we're going to do this wrap-up episode, as mentioned, and then I'll be in L.A. Um, mm-hmm. the, so the wild card games are, what, they start Friday? And then it's yeah, Friday, Saturday, that, possibly Sunday. Yeah, 7th through the 9th. All, 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 um, all four of them. All so four you, series. So, yeah. yeah. So the I will be in California by the time those wrap up. So, yeah, I'm going to have to bring a microphone. Uh, mm-hmm. I, we, it's funny. Every time I, I don't think we've ever recorded – when I've gone back to LA, just because I haven't had the appropriate gear to make me not sound like I'm in a tin can, but I'll uh, huh. I'll have to fi- find a, a travel setup. But we'll we'll get it done because it's at least the NLDS preview and hopefully uh, an NLCS preview. I'd be in Southern California for so. Or we could do um, like we are the world style, where I just bring my microphone. And then we just sort of keep like each person's <laughs> part. They just go into it, and occasionally we'll obviously sing at the same time. 
get a really uh, big yeah. like noise garden in front of it, and so it sounds yeah. like we're like singing on old timey radio together. It'll be good. Take we are the world. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm practicing right now. This is gonna be fun. Those poor, poor people at the Buffalo Wild Wings or wherever the hell we're, we're gonna be at. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, you, man, remember some of the low quality stuff you, we, and not that, not that we're particularly high quality anymore, but you like, we did a couple episodes, I think, where you were in a Starbucks and oh, yeah. just no, nonstop not, so noise. <laughs> not only that. So I, I recorded this. So when I was at spring training, um, just horrible setup. So, so, and so not only, I think we've, we've done Starbucks, I think we've done where I'm in the Starbucks parking lot because the Starbucks was closed. <laughs> oh. And uh, I, uh, we talked about wanting to do a live one from the sports bar. <laughs> I I recorded from there at least twice. Yeah, I want to say, yeah. but like the setup was bad because I remember I had just an old crappy laptop. Like this was before like the, the I got the company to uh, give me a laptop or whatever. And I just remember having to find a seat that was close to a plug, and it was like this weird. Like I was in a booth. And uh, like it was like the the most taut uh, uh, plug cord possible, you know. Like if anyone came by, they would have tripped because it was so it was stretched out so far. Like it was just a horrible setup. But oh, we'll, we'll get a better. We'll, we'll yeah. have a better setup this time, I'm sure. I'm, I think I, I've, I'm pretty sure we looked it up and they've been closed for a while. But so I did do a, a Google search for the sports bar and grill, in which Google tried to correct me. Did you mean sports bar? <laughs> no, no, Google yeah. did not. Yeah, how did it not like already have all sorts of um, uh, <laughs> auto suggestions for the the how famous the sports bar? There's one in uh, Wisconsin, but I don't see one oh. in Phoenix area. But anyways, we should talk about baseball. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, Craig Kimbrell, like I, I think I had like not like like. I was open to the the idea that, uh, especially after uh, the Frozen song, that man, you know, mate, like sure. he's never looked done. He's never looked like uh, up until yeah. recently. Uh, like it didn't look like, oh, there's no way this is, he's going to put this together. It's like, man, if, if some of the some of these pitchers are good, if he throws only things that <laughs> ball, you know, it's not like one pitch was bad or one was he was only overlying one or other. It's just like now and then, half the time his pitches just weren't competitive. Um, and half the time the worst. So if he just could start throwing the ones more consistently, then um, I could see a world where he turned around and uh, the opposite has occurred. Yeah. They, it's, it's now we're, we're almost in the, we we had the let it go phase and now it's going to possibly be let him go like very soon. Um, this is weird because so my idea for this episode was just, I was going to, we're still going to do this, but going over, a bunch of the season long bets that we made. We actually didn't make that many, but I think it's just fun. Like just to sort of go back because I often forget we, I, I log them and then completely forget about them sometimes. And I don't, I always want to, it's good to go back just to make fun of ourselves because we were always so wrong. But um, then I was like, Oh yeah, I should mention Kimbrel. And then I was like, a lot has happened since we recorded like last week. Like uh, this is one of the, like Kimbrel, the, the Kimbrel situation, let's call it has been going on like all season, right? Pretty much from day one, mm-hmm. he's been like subpar, right? Uh, certainly not pitching to his caliber or whatever. Uh, but it's like you said, it's always like if he just figures something out, like he had the high strikeout rate for a long time. And so it seemed like it was coming in, and it seemed like every everyone always wants to like dump the closer no matter what. Like 
at the right. earliest it's the closer possible and the manager time. always. Yeah, it's Very the backup easy. quarterback syndrome, right? Like there's some yeah. But like um I always I had it it never really concerned me that much because it it always like solves itself in a way. Like to the point like we went through this with Kenley for like three straight years, almost four, and he actually turned it around last year so they didn't have to do it, but it was like every year it was like, well, look, he's he's earned some sort of rope. We're going to see what he does. And then uh, in like 18, 19, and 20, they just stopped going to him in the postseason in big moments. So that was sort of how I figured it would play out with Kimbrell. Like he's the closer till he's not, right? And then um, – and he had the let it go stretch where he was really good, like, r- like relatively good. He had one, two, three innings. He also wasn't striking anyone out, wasn't missing bats. Um his command has been pretty terrible all year, except for that, like, mm-hmm. let it go stretch when he was throwing strikes, but he stopped throwing strikes now. That said, since the All-Star break, his strikeout rate is 17.6%, which is terrible, like, well below average. And he was in the, the high 30s before. Um, so, so like, just to give you an idea how, like you said, it seemed, it's been going on all season, right? But the, the, the way the – once the – the wheels start turning of like actual decisions, things go fast. Um, so, uh, we and I think the big reason for both, both Kimbrell yeah. and Kenley is that they, Kenley had the, obviously the tenure with the club, but both had yeah. these big, you know, lots of saves, big reputations. And once you sh- like take them out of the role, cause so much of their confidence is built in that role. You can't unring that bell. So I don't right. blame any of the, you know, how, how they've handled it. But we were getting to that point where okay, it's it's time to hit the bell, and uh, we definitely got there. And uh, yesterday's game where he w- walked in, uh, uh, walked in the walk off, so to speak, uh, yeah. certainly didn't uh, inspire you know a, a, a thought to reconsider things. It, it's always a two pronged thing because everyone wants to dump the closer, but then dump him to where? Like you know, right? Like they still they still have to be able to pitch with some effectiveness because. Are you just are you really replacing him with like the the number eight reliever or whatever? Like you're just gonna like literally release a guy or or you know, you can't usually you can't send closers down to the minors because they're not, you know, unless they're young, uh like established closers for sure. Like you can't you can't get rid of those guys that easily. Um, so you have to find something for them to do. Like uh so after we recorded so two weeks ago. Uh, I, I, we were recording during this game in when the Dodgers were in Arizona, one of these Diamondback series that perhaps you were thinking about in terms that might still be on the schedule. <laughs> but but Kim, Kimbrell had a lead in the 10th inning, um, and he allowed a three-run walk-off home run uh, to Sergio Alcantara. And just – it was a it was actually not the worst pitch. It was a high pitch, but it was in the strike zone, and he just sort of blasted it. Um and then five days later, he entered in a five-one lead, uh, hit two batters, and allowed a run. Wasn't a he got rescued by a diving play by Gavin Lux. This was all before we recorded last week. But after we recorded last week, um, Thursday night uh, against the Diamondbacks again. That was a man. No wonder the Diamondbacks are on your brain. They, they played the Diamondbacks five games last week in four days. So it, this schedule is screwy. Like it, it'll mess with your head. Um, but on the Thursday night game, he came in in a tight game. Um, he he allowed a pitch like just a uh, a breaking ball that just sort of hung over the plate, and Christian Walker crushed it for a home run. Dodgers ended up winning on a walk off uh, in the bottom of the inning. Uh, 
Dave Roberts was so exasperated post game. I don't know if you've seen that audio, like Sports NLA tweeted it out and stuff, but it was also uh, on the post game. Mm-hmm. But um, he's like, the stuff is starting to slide a little bit. And he was yep. just like, so like, uh, and that we, we talked about, it. you're never going to have like um, a decision post game, right? It's never going to be like, nah, he's not, he's not our guy anymore, right? They always take a day, right? To, to A, calm down. But like to hear Dave Roberts never like buries anyone like publicly or, or anything that was as close to it he gets as saying no i'm done right <laughs> like, like that was that was as close to a burial as you're ever going to see from robert so the next day they did remove him from cl- the closer role that friday night um oh by the way i don't we didn't even mention this and friday night was albert pujol sitting two home runs at dodger stadium to get 700 so that was cool that game was eight nothing cardinals in the sixth inning when craig kimbrell came in um and uh, so that you go from uh, closer to uh, pitching down eight nothing in the sixth inning. That's that's a role change for sure. Uh, and then Tuesday in, in San Diego, this is the day before this is the day before recording. Now uh, the Dodgers used like their four four of their high leverage relievers to get through inning seven through nine. Evan Phillips faced the middle of the order. Caleb Ferguson in the seventh. Caleb, uh, Chris Martin. Um, he got um, uh, Manny Machado in the uh, eighth. He, he got two outs to finish off the eighth to get out of a jam. And then Tommy Canely pitched the ninth. So they turned to Kimbrell in the tenth. So there's automatic runner on. The Dodgers didn't score in the top of the inning, which obviously exacerbated things. Padres bunted over the runner to get, you know, runner on third, one out. Juan Soto, Manny Machado do up. They intentionally walk Soto, righty on lefty. Makes, you know, it makes total sense. Eric Karros on the broadcast uh, was saying he was adamant, like saying he, he would also walk Manny Machado, no-brainer. I tweeted uh, at the time uh, a rare first-guess win for me on this. <laughs> I said, I don't think that's a good idea because you can't rely on Craig Kimball to throw strikes with the base loaded. There's no margin for error, right? And but and I think part of the thing is, look, well, you also don't want him to pitch to Manny Machado, but I get that. Like, you just have to – sometimes you have to acknowledge that the situation is shit, like, you know – uh, we haven't had an explicit podcast in a while. It's good. Um, <laughs> but so Kimbrell, the, the irony of all this is Kimbrell actually did strike out Machado, right? So uh, to get the second out. So they're still first and third. But then the wildness came. He walked Brandon Drury to load the bases. And then Jorge Alfaro, who hadn't walked for over two months, uh, 63 plate appearances during which he had 26 strikeouts. Um, and then he walked him. I think uh, Dennis Lynn, I believe, after the game, uh, Jorge Alfaro's reaction was, holy shit, I walked. <laughs> and so uh, that was a, a walk-off walk. And then this is after the game uh, per Bill Plunkett or the Orange County Register. This is, again, an exasperated Dave Roberts. They asked him, uh, does this mean uh, Kimbrell's spot on the postseason roster is in jeopardy? And Roberts said, quote, every day is a test. He's got to go out there. <laughs> I'll keep giving him opportunities when it makes sense, and we'll make decisions when we get down the line. I read this as no way in hell is he going to be on the playoff roster, which I didn't think was going to be possible because I thought they would be stubborn about it. But I think they're done with them at this point. Like, so uh, uh, I um, just, you know, like I said, going a couple weeks back when we, we guessed the rosters, this was two weeks ago, I did not think it was uh, – this was not – having Kimbrell off the roster was not something I would have bet on. Um, so it just – it does – it's weird how it happens so fast. You know what I would bet on, though? Hmm. Uh, various questions from Craig uh, throughout the season. 
usually um, make he pits us against each other, has us predict. It's really stuff. combative. It's really not nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're basically like first take for Dodgers. I would say that's <laughs> yeah, how I would we're describe very... us. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're basically yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so we we have a lot to go through. Uh, but before we do, uh, do you have, you you sort of hit on it? But do you have any other Kimbrel thoughts before we sort of shift a little bit here? Yeah, the, the the only thought, and you you hinted at this, uh, or you, you talked about this as well, but um, uh, Craig Goldstein, baseball prospectus, <laughs> if I can talk, and mm-hmm. uh, and Twitter, is uh, is how I'll say that um, was that brought up is like you don't need to carry Kimbrel. I was like, no, no, he he has to be at least the second to worst reliever on on any any bullpen you put together, and then he listed off a bunch of relievers ahead of him. I'm like, oh yeah, you, you don't need to carry him, and I like you. I don't I don't think they will, which is wild to think of, just considering how much rope he was given. But as as I yeah. mentioned earlier, I think it makes sense. I and just to add to that, we we should know since we're recording on Wednesday, David Price was activated Tuesday. He didn't pitch yet. Uh, Yancy Almonte was activated today. Both have been out. Yancy Almonte has been out since like August third. <laughs> So it's been a while, but like he was also pitching very. It's been a while. Oh, he he he's been, um, he was pitching really well before he yeah. got hurt, and so like you know those guys just add to the mix. Gonsolin is going to start one of the games I think Monday against the Rockies, so uh, he's like in that probably going to be active zone. Um, so <laughs> the yeah. official name for it, <laughs> right? So so yeah, it's like the, it's just adding more and more to the. Uh, pushing Kimbrel down the list pile. And so, yeah. Oh no. I, I am just realizing you have, uh, moving on, you've brought receipts. Yep. I, I went through the, our, our bets. Like I said, we, we actually didn't do a lot. Like we, there were some specific ones. Like we, I went, we guessed like the, we didn't do a lot. Like There's a lot second, here. <laughs> the, the second 54 games. Like it was that time of the year. So I didn't go back and do like the minutia ones. Like, um, just the, this is the the bulk of them. I would say I left off the AL playoffs because that's not fully decided yet. Although it kind of is. Yeah. Um, we, we could talk about that later. Um, okay. So March thirty first, right before the start of the season, the week before, uh, we picked NL playoff teams. I actually think we both did really well here. It's I, know, I, the only thing I remember is I picked the Mets not making it, uh, which oops, yeah. <laughs> I believed yeah. in the Mets curse, and uh, I was so, shown the uh, door. We, we both picked the Dodgers and Braves to win divisions. Uh, bold, bold bets. <laughs> uh, the Braves and Mets Obviously, were tied with seven games yeah. left entering today, although Atlanta lost on a walk-off and the Mets won on a walk-off. So the Mets are up one with six games to play, and they play this weekend in uh, in Atlanta. Maybe. For three games. So, yeah, right. <laughs> at, in somewhere, <laughs> depending on Hurricane Ian and if they relocate. Um, so we're, we're – Atlanta is going to make the playoffs, so I think we're decently okay there. Uh, I had the Cardinals winning the Central, patting myself on the back for that. Uh, I had the Mets as a wild card. Um, Jacob had the Phillies, so kudos to you. Um, We both had the Brewers. Jacob had them winning the Central. Uh, They're a game and a half back of the uh, Phillies entering Wednesday. Jacob had the Giants as a wild card. (laughs) (laughs) I think no matter how it shakes out. Wait, uh, have they been eliminated yet? Last I checked, their E number was like two. (laughs) There's a chance. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think Grant was tweeting about this, Grant Brisby. He he said it would be the most hilarious outcome is if (laughs) the 
Giants won the rest of their games and ended up uh, tied with the Padres but lose on the tiebreaker or something. <laughs> but then someone pointed out that they can't actually tie the Padres because they lost too many games already. <laughs> but I think it, they can do something with the Brewers and the Phillies. So they could still yeah, out there, right? It's, it's, there. The, it's the, we need, all we need is these 30 outcomes to come exactly how Gabe we need just needs to put up my podcast on this. This Dodgers fan believes in you. That's right. Um, so it's looking like I'm going to have five of the six teams and you're going to have four. It, it, it could be one way or the other. Like if the Brewers yeah. pass the Phillies, you get it either way. Uh, but so the type, the, the funny part. So the tiebreaker on this was Dodgers wins. I and I'm always skeptical of this because I, I said 103, and I'm sure I thought that was high. <laughs> and then you said 105. So kudos to you, even though we're not tied or anything. But kudos to you for also underrating the Dodgers, but doing so in a, in a, in a closer way than I did. So yeah, they're where as we're recording, they they are 106 and 48. Um, so they have tied their wins record. They have eight games left, uh, including the one that is currently going on at the moment to to set a new uh, team record. I'm, I'm certain they will do that. Uh, another, so the other one uh, in preseason, Craig asked us, uh, uh, which will be the higher total, uh, the Dodgers pinch hits or sacrifice hits? I said pinch hits. You said sacrifices. Oh, man. I don't – like looking back, it seems like this – I mean, it's a route, right? It's 16 pinch hits to yeah. three sacrifices. But, like, I don't know. Like, I think this at the time, I guess there were so few pinch hitting stuff in like 2020 when the, you know, with the DH and stuff. I think we were just in that brain because I, I don't, I don't think at the time I thought like, it was going to be that. Far. I don't know. I, I don't know if it was yeah. the Manfred runner that made me move, like, move there. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Now, uh, so most sacrifice hits, I said Austin Barnes, who, and he has two, so I get that one. Uh, you said Hanser Alberto, although Eddie Alvarez has the other sacrifice hit. Uh, for the Dodgers, uh, Jacob, you said the Dodgers would be the last team uh, without a sacrifice. Man, Wait, I'm getting... So you played both ends of this uh, because you said they would have more sacrifice hits than pinch hits, but that also they would be the, the last team. And I lost both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so I said they would not, but the Braves through uh, 156 games have zero sacrifices. So uh, most pinch hits, we both said Edwin Rios, who was one for five. In fairness, that's not far off from the leader, Hanser Alberto, who has four. See, they um, shouldn't be pinch hitting as much as. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah, they're, doing, they're pinch hitting too often is my is what, I, what I think. Uh, first pinch hit home run, I said Will Smith. <laughs> this is uh, keep in mind. This was March thirty first. Jacob, you said AJ Pollock, who uh, within this hour, recorded w- within hours was traded to Craig Kimbrell, the subject of this podcast. I remember thinking uh, that too. I remember, like, wait, no, get back there. Yeah, and so and, and Rio Edwin Rios did have the first pinch hit home run on May 9th, So neither of us got that. Joey Gallo and Trace Thompson have since uh, had pinch hit homers. They have three. <sighs> I, I'm going to pat myself on the back for this one. Yeah, uh, no. I, I, if, if I don't know if the listeners heard, I was like moaning a little bit while you were. Uh, oh, you Because I, I saw the Ryan Pepe and I was like, oh, man, I remember this. I so went this out was, on a ledge and I was, again, way wrong. This was on May 11th. Um, Ryan Pepio games pitched in the majors. Uh, I believe this was right after his debut. Uh, so he had pitched once. Uh 
uh, I said he would have 13 games in the majors, including seven starts. You said 40 games, sort of playing into the idea that he was. was yeah, I had the idea that he would turn into a reliever. And in my, I did the math like immediately after this. I did the math yeah. run. I'm like, oh, I thought that would happen in like July, and then I didn't. Yeah. It would, wouldn't. He still wouldn't have yeah. 40. But yeah, I like stuck 20, to it. it. Yeah, but but I mean, the idea was right. Like because it never I, happened, know, but right. But so Pepio did pitch nine games, but had seven starts. So I, I nailed that part. Um, and I think uh, my thought did, there is the Dodgers had so much starting pitching. Did, of course, yeah, they're going to need a reliever, and they're not going to be starved yeah. for starters. And here we are. Exactly. So like, yeah, like they, yeah, right. They literally have three right now, <laughs> and then depending on how they use Heaney and um, sort of a, a limited Tony Gonsolin at this point. Um, so you did say Pepio would have more strikeouts than innings. So you nailed that 42 yes. and 36 innings. I did. I said he wouldn't because I'm a hater, and uh, I was wrong. Uh, so this was on also on May 11th. Uh, Mookie Betts at the time had scored 36 runs in the first 37 games. Uh, Jacob said Mookie would score uh, 116 or more runs. Right now he's at 112 with uh, about seven and a half games remaining. Um, I said at that time freddie freeman would have 44 or more doubles he has 46 um so the dodgers on tuesday uh set they hit their 313th double this season which sets a franchise record uh trey turner had the the record setter uh at the time uh this was later in the season uh jacob you said freddie freeman would break it uh, uh you know a suitable choice uh i said mookie we were both wrong um we were also both early that that, that we thought that the record would be broken. You, I said game 149. You said 150. It was actually game 154. Um, I think one of the – oh, yeah, so I, I did an in-person – or I mean, not in-person. We were over to Zoom. Uh, but uh, I did a question from Craig. I think it was the one of the weeks you were out. And um, so I did one-on-one questions with Craig. And on June 24th, yeah, Craig said the Dodgers would have five players with 30 doubles in 2022. At the moment, they have four with Cody Bellinger at 27 and Will Smith at 25. So he's got a shot at least of doing that. Um, Craig also said the Dodgers would have four players with 35 doubles, and he nailed it. Uh, Freeman has 46. Trey Turner has 39. Justin Turner has 36. All three of those are career highs. Uh, Mookie Betts has 36 at the moment. Um, so, yeah, he, he nailed that. Uh, going to July 6th, uh, I don't – oh, yeah, um, you, you said Mookie Betts would have 30 home runs. I don't remember what he was at at the time, but he has 35, so <laughs> kudos. I said Muncie would reach 18 home runs. I, I know he had like – I think he had single digits at the time. He has 21, so happy about that. Um, also on July 6th, I said one – I don't remember – I don't remember the, the conceit of this question, how he got to it. I just – the way I wrote it down was – one of Freddie Freeman or Trey Turner would lead the Dodgers in RBIs. It was, I think, was that like me against the field or something? Are you yeah, getting the field? that sounds right. So with eight games ago, it's it's Trey 97, Freeman 95, Will Smith 85. So unless Will Smith just goes nutso, yeah, it's going to be one of those two. Um, this is a good one. Um, July 27th, uh, Dodgers with at least one hit. I, this was right before the trade deadline, so we had to do some mental math of yeah. who's going to be added. Uh, you said they would have 20 players with a hit. I said 19. The actual number as of now is uh, 20. Yes. Miguel Vargas was number 20. Um, and, I mean, I, I mean, even if they 
I was, they're not going to call up anyone else. So even if they call up like Kevin Pillar, who was like rehabbing, he already has a hit. So you're going to win that one. Play, players with a run, uh, Jacob 21, Eric 19. The actual is 20. And I was looking at this. Uh, I didn't look at this before we recorded. But if I learn how to use baseball reference and not stall, um, I want to see if there's anyone with zero runs scored that can somehow – Oh man, Tony Walters is the only one who played for them and didn't score. <laughs> so, yeah, that we're just gonna have to consider that one closed, and we we both did not get it. Um, yeah, that's brutal. Um, okay, so Dodgers with ten or more home runs on this is what we said on August thirty first. Home home runs. Oh yeah, home home runs. That's right. Uh, I said six. Jacob said five. Jacob, uh, it's currently five, but then there's six more home games. No to go. more home runs. No more uh, runs. <laughs> so Freeman and Trey Turner both have eight. So uh, you know, it, there's, it's possible I could win this one, but you're looking pretty good. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't think it was like there were some wins for both of us. There nothing. We, we weren't too outrageous on that. The, I mean, the funny one obviously was AJ Paul getting traded. But like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was out of your control. So I, I'm not. And what a! I was really happy with that guest too. I was like, oh yeah, you know, there's no room for him to yeah. start, but there's going to be some platoon thing going on. Oh, I was really happy with that. One of the um, the Dodgers' uh, 20 players with a hit this year is Freddie Freeman, who has more of them than anyone in the majors. Uh, 191 hits entering Wednesday. 107 of those hits are on the road uh, with two road games remaining, Wednesday and Thursday against the Padres. That's the fourth highest road hit total by a L.A. Dodger. Uh, who were the three players ahead of him? I'll take a, a stab at that after this. Well-known baseball stat, road hits. <laughs> Everyone talks, <laughs> Everyone about talks about the, the, the road hit race records and all that. As an aside, to give you some more time here, um, so something I sort of track in the background, but, you know, only I, for, I track it in groups like I'll forget about it. But last night and, and also Wednesday night, the Dodgers are wearing their Los Angeles uh, road jerseys, uh, mm-hmm. which they wore for, I think, the first 25 road games this year. And I believe at the time um, there was something to the effect of they were having supply issues with the Dodgers road jerseys, the one that say Dodgers on the front instead of Los Angeles and that they want, they wore the uh, Dodgers ones 50 out of the last 51 home games. The only one um, that didn't was a City Connect day in San Francisco. And so, yeah, uh, it's a weird little thing that I keep track of. And that it's not, it's not something I notice all the time. And then I'll be like, oh, they're wearing those tonight. Like, okay. It, it seemed to me like they, they, for a few years, they were wearing the Los Angeles jerseys a lot, specifically in, um, when, when they would go to Anaheim, which I thought was funny. Um, but, uh, and then occasionally, I guess, San, or San Diego. Uh, but, yeah, I don't I don't know the rhyme or reason to it. I've asked in previous years about this, and hey, Robert is like, I don't care. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so, and no, no one really seems to want to talk about it. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what goes into that thinking. But, yeah, that, that's where they're at. Los Angeles jerseys right now. All right. So, L.A. Dodger road hit records. Uh, yep. Freddie's fourth, three players ahead of him. Um, um, all right, we'll do three strikes rule. So I've got some names sure. written down. Let's go. Uh, Maury Wills. Okay, so Maury Wills, uh, he had. This usually means he, a no. He, it's, he's a no, but he's he's not far off. He has 104. That's okay. his best road mark. 
I, I forgot. I was going to say I don't. I didn't know how many. Uh, so he had one 200 hit season, but that was 62. Uh, in 65, uh, he had 186 hits, and 104 of those were on the road. Um, so he must have had a lot of home hits in 62 because he's not. He didn't have at least 100. Pedro Guerrero. No, he didn't really have high hit totals. He's. I my list here goes up to the people who have a hundred on the road, and I will say, uh, Trey Turner uh, coming in. He he's one of the ones with a hundred. Hundred okay. on the nose this year. So. Oh no. Uh. <laughs> do, you, do you want years? Sure. Um, okay, so 1962. Okay. Uh, 1970. And 1986. Hmm. Um. Duke Snyder. No. Oh. All right. Give me give me names, Eric. Those are my three strikes. I'm a okay. man of my so, word. 1962. Uh, Tommy Davis won the batting <sighs> title. 116 hits on the road. I wrote um, down. Uh, Five so you, you, would, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been off base to say either Davis. Um, no, don't do this to me. I mean, no, I mean Willie Davis was not one of the okay. ones ahead of. All right, Freeman, I was like, but, man, really? <laughs> but but he did have uh, two seasons with one one with one hundred four and one with one hundred five on the road. Steve Garvey would have been a go to since he had a bunch of two hundred hit seasons. Uh, he, his tops was one hundred six on the road. Um, so Which to uh, pull a little, uh, pull the veil a little bit, I had Willie Davis, Tommy Davis, Steve Garvey uh, were the three other names listed at the top. Yeah. And then I had Beltre question mark just with the 2004, but then eventually wrote it off. So Beltre did have 106 okay. on the road in, in 2004. <laughs> um, so Tom, <laughs> Tommy Davis uh, also in 1963 when he also won a batting title, he had 102 on the road. Um, okay, so... The one okay, the, going. I'm just going from the bottom since they're fun names. Uh, Mike Piazza in 1997, that when he hit 362 and had 200 hits, 102 on the road. Uh, Cesar is tourist in 2004, what just the bizarre, like high hit total season uh, from him, 104 hits on the road. Uh, mentioned Garvey Beltre. So Freeman is a, is fourth at 107, mm-hmm. third in uh, 1986 with 115. Steve Sachs. Uh, the other two were tied at the top. Uh, Wes Parker in 1970, uh, which was 116, tied with Tommy Davis. So, yeah. Okay. No, that that uh, I don't think I would have guessed. Uh, I mean, I eventually would have guessed two sacks given the year, but it wouldn't have been the first name out of my mouth probably. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I'm upset I didn't say Tommy Davis on my list. Have I had, had I, it was the fourth name I wrote down, so I wouldn't have gotten there even if I went straight down my list. Um, and... Wes Parker was the name that I just, I like had like, I'm like, I'm forgetting a name that I'm pretty sure has had a very high hit total. I just could, couldn't pull it in time. So, well, good news for me is I get to turn the tables because it's time for. With Jens and Craig. We love it. Questions. We love it. Craig, not me. Uh, starting off with some trivia for you. Are you ready, Eric? Sure. Hope you guys are doing well. Here are this week's questions. Last Sunday, Michael Grove became the 64th Dodger to have one run recorded at Dodger Stadium in their career. That's fun. Sorry, I hit the part. I was like, so, not at least one, one win. 
Oh, I'm so saying, only one. I was going to yeah, say, that. <laughs> I, I was wondering if he just meant, more. If he meant rookies, or but then it's, if it's just one, only one, I get it. Okay, got cool. it. Uh, the, and that I think, man, that that would have been a fun ga- game for you yeah. and I to guess. I don't. I think I would have guessed less, but I don't know. That's that's interesting. Uh, while Grove will get more opportunities to get wins, this week's trivia is about some of those other sixty-three pitchers who got handshakes for their win at Chavez Ravine. Mm. You ready? Yeah. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> on, I got to pull up the answers real quick. Only one pitcher has a win in the only game he pitched at Dodger Stadium. Can Eric name this pitcher? I have hints for you. <laughs> do you want to take a stab at it, or do you want me to start going through hints? Okay, so this is weird. Like, I, I mean, I don't... Huh. I see the hints. You could just say them, since I, I see the list. Too, okay. But. Uh, Dave Roberts was the manager. It okay. came in September, and three players who played at Petco... On Tuesday, September 28th, started in that game. The players who played at Peck or Will Myers, Justin Turner, and Austin Barnes. Hmm. Okay, so it was against the Padres. Um, I don't think they played the Royals with Will Myers on the Royals. Uh, I don't think he's, he was there on the, with Dave Roberts' manager. Um, so I'm stalling. In September... They only pitched one game at Dodger Stadium. What in the hell? Um, <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, someone who will have just come up for. Hmm, in September is throwing me. Um, now I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. I have no idea. Literally no idea. Uh, Jose De Leon. Okay. Five pitchers have pitched at Dodger Stadium 31 or more times and got just one win. Three of them pitched in the wild card Jacobean area, as we're calling it now. One played for a World Series winning team, and another was Mike Garman, who pitched in 31 games in 1977 and 1978. Can uh, Eric name these pitchers? One hint, one really is an old friend. There's one lefty who leads the... uh, um, leads with 65 games pitched, uh, and the rest are all right-handed. Okay, so I'm I'm just guessing it's going to be a bunch of relievers. Um, so how about Scott Radinsky? Nope. Um, gonna look up the profiles real quick. Okay, so yeah, I'm. This is. We just might as well zoom ahead to the answers. This is like, I have no idea. This is uh, not, my brain is not working on this. Like Jesse Orozco. Yeah. Josh right. Lindblom. Okay. Alan Mills. Sure. Mike McDougal. <laughs> I, I think I've told the, um, I'm trying to think, I, I would just say, uh, Mike McDougal and Juan Uribe, I believe were teammates on the White Sox. I, I don't remember if it was specifically the 05 championship winning White Sox. It might have been, but they were uh, with the Dodgers for one year when McDougal was on the Dodgers. It might it was McDougal there two years. I don't remember, but they were they were close, and it was it was very funny. Two um, years, uh, two 2011, okay. 2012. So one one day only pitched training, five innings in 2012. When uh, Juan Uribe's um, locker at Camelback Ranch was. 
the far wall in a in a long room. Um, so it's the it's not the far wall. It's the close wall to the entrance to the like the back door entrance to the the clubhouse. Um, and then at the farther the the farthest end to that uh, near the restroom, uh, where a bunch of pitchers were, McDougal was right there. So they're literally well across the room from each other, and not it's maybe three quarters full. I think this was in the morning. Um, and Juan Uribe was he just sitting at his his locker and going, McDougal, Mike McDougal, <laughs> and and you know he just you know playing it up and then McDougal took it and he's like what and he goes, fuck you, Mike McDougal, <laughs> and then everyone just started laughing. It was just the dumbest, funniest thing. I thought that was hilarious. So, Uribe was great. All right, <clears throat> next one's fun. I'm gonna. I think you can get this one, so I'm okay. gonna not let you quit. One pitcher, I'll let you quit if you really start struggling. One yeah. pitcher started seven games at Dodger Stadium, which was the entirety of his Chavez Ravine career as a Dodger. He was one in six at Dodger Stadium. Can Eric name this Jack Bianera pitcher? Terry Adams. Nope. Oh. Um, started. Started seven games. Um, Kevin Tappany. Nope. <laughs> That's stretching the Jacob here because <laughs> yeah. he was like 95. Um, so, oh, James Baldwin. Mm-mm. All right, I'm out. Nope, nope. Not, so I'm going to give you the, I don't, uh, his era as a Dodger was 2000, it was three years employed by the Dodgers, 2007 to 2009. David Wells? Nope. Esteban Loiza? <laughs> uh, no, uh, known, um, not known as the best signing in the history of the Dodgers. Oh, um, yeah, Jason Schmidt. There you go. I, I saw at least one rehab start of his in, uh, <laughs> Inland Empire in San Bernardino when they were. That was their affiliate. If the answer to the last trivia question hasn't been a subject of a Dodger rewind, he should be sometime. This pitcher won a start at Dodger Stadium fourteen years after making his major league debut. At Dodger Stadium. Wait, okay. So the, the lead into this question think, makes me think it's about Jason Schmidt, and then he goes into a different thing. So <laughs> this, this, or this is a separate thing. Okay. So this, uh, the 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 win was in on nineteen eighty two. So he made his debut in sixty eight at yep. Dodger Stadium. And his he his this was his his one win at Dodger Stadium. His at Dodger Stadium was in nineteen eighty two. Is that what you're saying? Uh, correct. Both oh, as God. a Dodger, I believe. Yeah. What? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, this is freaking me out now. Um, he played two years with the Dodgers, and they were the two years in question. Who the hell? Um, okay. 68 82. What do these? Well, yeah, no, this definitely should be Dodger. You're on just looking at the game logs. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So again, oh, he started. What the? Fuck? I was thinking this has to be a reliever. What an odd thing. Okay. So 68, they had him, major league debut. And then. 80, I don't see 
82 is a blind spot year for me. Um, so, who in the hell? Um, I'm just trying to think of someone who would have been like. Okay, can I just ask a hint? Did this yeah. pitcher pitch in the American League or the National League in the in between years? Um, it's probably both, but like both the majority. Is. So I'll I'll let you know. In 1968, he was traded after one game <laughs> uh, to Cleveland, and then played a bunch in the AL, and then two years with the San Diego Padres. I don't think you're going to get it. So I, I like, but at the yeah. same time, I, I like, I just want this Dodgers rewind now. This is very okay. You ready? Yeah. Uh, Vicente Romo. Okay, so I can picture for some reason. I I think it's his tops card, um, but there, yeah. But like, <laughs> he has two photos on Baseball Reference. Uh, yeah. One with a, a, a red with a Red Sox hat, and one with the Padres hat. And have you seen the Simpsons episode where it's um, Joe Namath and John Unitas? Oh, yeah. And John it's Unitas has a, a hair, haircut you can set your watch to. Sure. And that's what the two haircuts are. It's like, <laughs> it is almost exactly uh, in Boston. It's John Unitas' haircut. And the San Diego Padre is uh, Joe Namath. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'll send this to you. Uh, maybe get in the show notes because it is great. And I am excited. So to um, kind of go over a little bit. So he was pitched for the Dodgers, uh, yeah. made his debut, getting... Uh, where did this yeah. go? Sorry. Uh, was traded to Cleveland and then bounced around. There we go. Um, teams between 68 and 74 and then spent eight years in Mexico pitching and then came back for one season with the Dodgers. Pitched. In, in, in 82. In 82. Pitched 35 innings. Got the win. Retired. So I don't remember if it was like um, – it could have been Fleer. It could have been – I'm actually – I have I have my book of uh, – some old, yes. <laughs> Vicente Romo. I, I, I think I forgot he was a pitcher. Um, and so, I, I mean, the name was in my head. I would not have guessed him because yeah. I didn't know he started with the Dodgers, but that's incredible. Yeah, the back of his baseball card is wild. It doesn't, it like just ignores Mexico because it just shows, you know, Dodgers, Indians, How Indians, baseball reference does this is did not play in major or minor leagues and then parentheses Mexico, which is like you can yeah. figure it out what it means, but it just sounds uh, yeah. as if it was a, an injured list uh, listing. But it, shoulder. it just says 74 Padres and then 82 Dodgers. Like it doesn't have anything in between. Like <laughs> it's like going in a job interview. What were you doing these years? Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to that. I I, if, I I'm I'm gonna dive in, and if we can do a rewind at it, I think I think it'll be fun. All right, um, five pitchers have. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that's not that's the second trivia question, not the actual no. second question. <laughs> yeah. For the contest, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Cody Bellinger are tied with 17 doubles at Dodger Stadium this season. Eric, you can choose first. Who do you pick will end up with more doubles at home from these three? Freeman. Um, Mookie Betts. Oh, sorry, sorry, Cody. I can't. You can could conscious. Uh, cool. That that's easy, and it's going to be Cody, and we're going to tie. Yep. <laughs> As of six twenty-seven p.m. Pacific, the Mets and Braves are both losing in the eighth inning. Of their games. Spoiler alert: one of them won, as you uh you mentioned. Yep. 
One of these teams could be in a tight race and then jump right into a best two out of three before the NLDS. Do you think this is a better fate than what the Dodgers and Giants had last year, or is there an even, uh, or is there even more incentive to win the division this year? There's more incentive to win the division because the the taxing of the pitching staff mm-hmm. is harder. Um, even if you sweep the wild card round, you're you're using two pitchers that you have to wait on, like in the next round. So like you're you're in a in a rough spot. Um. That said, like one and done is also bad, you know, like to uh, to have that. So I don't know. I, I think I think the, the buy in the NLDS is more meaningful this year. So I, it's there's more incentive, I think, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that for exact reason you said like there is there's something to the idea of it's a longer series. Therefore, you're less prone to variance. But three games is still so high variance. I think it's the pitching cost is definitely worse. Yep. When I was growing up, I Love Lucy was on Channel 11 every night at 6 and 7. So at some point, I saw every episode, all 180. My two-part question, have either of you uh, binged a show in the last few years and watched all episodes? Oh, no. If so, <laughs> what was it and how many episodes did you watch? Um, I say, uh-oh, because I like putting on bad criminal procedures um, sure. when I'm like working and just kind of having them in the background. And so the answer to this is a lot. <laughs> I have seen every episode of the original Law and Order, SVU up to season 20. I'm behind a couple of seasons. Uh, NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, NCIS LA, although I'm behind on LA because and, and the original because I haven't seen this season's. Um, Bones, Person of Interest. Wow. C- <laughs> CSI, it's bad, Eric. CSI about- New York. Uh, I have, have not... you watched yeah, Criminal ahead. Minds? Oh yeah, yeah, that's on this list. Um, so, uh, w- uh, when I was living with my cousin uh, for a couple years, uh, they would. And this is wife... uh, to clarify one thing: this is over not a few. He says last few years. This is over more than a decade, I think, at this sure. point. Yeah, th- this is a decade ago for me too. But when when I was living with them, they would watch Criminal Minds a lot, like record mm-hmm. a bunch of them, and so and I would watch them. But my my go to is since. I would sing a theme song to the song and, and not, not in depth. It would just, <laughs> I would, it would basically be like Robert Goulet going yep. criminal minds, you know, like, and that, that made it more palatable. And, but no, it's, it's one of those, you get sucked in. You're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is good. I want to, I need to solve this and then see how this comes out. No. And um, again, I'm, like they're, yeah. they're passively in the background, you know, when I kind of hit like at work, a, a pro- hard problem where I kind of like need to get my mind unfocused. I'll actually pay attention for a few minutes and then go back. Um, so yeah, but yeah, uh, and because they are because they are so formulaic, it's really easy to tune out for episodes at a time and then c- come back and you haven't really missed anything. You can figure so out where you're at. In the last five years, maybe I don't know, I've become less of a TV watching person, an, an episodic TV watching person. I, I have, except to, for this. <laughs> yeah, I watch. I listen to podcasts a lot, so a lot of my TV stuff is. I'm listening to a podcast or listening to music while uh, there might be multiple screens going on, but both are on mute sometimes on sports, sometimes uh, diners, drive-ins and dives or something <laughs> is, is, and that's just like a perfect background show. And yeah, but, and see, I, I have been doing, you know, I've been more into uh, whether it's gameplay or, you know, doing 
not yeah. media consumption. And yeah. I've tried to like putting a podcast on in the background work and I can't, it's just so distracting because I actually need to engage with it or I get kind of left behind. So yeah. this is the one thing I've found that it kind of acts as sort of a narrative white noise for me. I, I, I have been able to passively listen to podcasts like and while still doing other stuff. So I, I sort of appreciate that, but I will say, um, binging well just before i do that like i love lucy for some reason i've watched a lot of those but like there was a certain point i i think it was when i was younger i just like god this is i don't like this at all like i don't (laughs) like like, this is what is and part of me was it was a stupid thing was be like why do i want to watch this black and white thing like you know it's just so dumb but like i mean it's obviously you know some high levels of comedy and it's really funny but like yeah it was hard sometimes to like go through that but i still have seen a lot um the 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 last show i remember binging like all the episodes was i was a late comer to schitt's creek mm-hmm. and i think that had five seasons i want to say but in the modern era like that only means i think it was 60 episodes right so i was i remember one of the weeks i think it was during the pandemic um uh when i i took a week off and my goal that week, my only goal was to watch all of Schitt's Creek. So I watched all 60 episodes in a week. Um, and it was great. And um, I, I did that for The Wire. I was a super late comer to The Wire um, and watched, I think that also had 60 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. And I watched yeah, The all- Wire, I think to me at least, was a really interesting binge because there's like, yeah, for me, it was the first five ish episodes. I were, were like a sludge. Like I was appreciating it. But it didn't yeah. have that sort of, oh, I got to watch the next one for me. But then by the time I was like middle of the first season, I like went from season one to five, like yeah. over a week, it felt like. Yeah, I, I would just, I'd find myself being like, oh, I just watched 10 straight. Like, what yeah. am I doing? Like, <laughs> uh, I, need to, I need to move <laughs> or something. Uh, there was a thing, I, I don't remember which season it was. Uh, the one, whatever they, whenever they were on the docks, uh, I, that, I just remember that season dragging. And uh, compared to the other, the Docs but, was two, yeah, which I I think is an underrated season, but I agree it doesn't have the uh, one, three, and four that really are just kind of high paced, yeah. really hard to put down. Just just the other day, uh, I I started watching uh, This Fool on Hulu, which is I thought was really funny. There's only, um, I think ten episodes, and I watched five of them so far, and it's just thing like I did watch five the other day. And that's like the most I've watched of like of a show, like binging like that in a while. I uh, it took me. I think there's eight episodes of The Bear for season one, and that one was really good. But I think I ended up needing like three sessions or three different days to watch it, just because it was like, um, it was really good, but it was also like so intense to where it was almost uncomfortable. And not in a weird way, like it wasn't. I, I find um, Curb Your Enthusiasm too cringeworthy to watch a lot of the time, yeah. which is. And, and I know I people like, I think, I forget which members of my family have said they feel that way about The Office sometimes, which I totally get. Yep. Um, but it's like, it wasn't like like that kind of crazy, but it's just like, oh man, it's just like, I don't like dealing with all this yelling you know, or something, but, but like it was, it's also, I've heard people say that's the most realistic, like back into the restaurant, like 
uh, portrayal they've ever seen on television. And I totally get it. I know enough people who've like worked in that to appreciate it. It was just, and, and it was really good. I enjoyed the season, but yeah, it was hard to like sit there. It was like um, uncut gems, you know, like I thought mm-hmm. that was a very good movie that I never want to watch again. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of a thing. In the uh, sort of spirit of the, the, build up to this question it's different though when you're you know watching it in syndication because you know now that we have streaming services you know you've seen every episode like and that it's hard it's almost hard to miss an episode whereas there uh for the for one the original law and order i eventually was kind of the first criminal procedure i got into because my mom would watch it all the time and i used to hate it was the Dun Dun show and it uh, made me made me uneasy. But then I got really into it, and this was and it's one order is still hard to stream actually. So there would just be you know you get to the point where you've seen feels like every episode a couple of times. And this the biggest example of this for me is The Simpsons because that was like Fox Eleven it would be on six and seven thirty or, or five and seven thirty. Sure, and I would watch all the time. But then there was like that one episode that for whatever reason just like never got aired when you were actually watching um separate vocations was a simpsons episode for me but it was like it's like a nice little treat now <laughs> one of the I'm like ooh, i've only seen this zero to one times of one of these shows that just you never streamed uh is available so in the 90s um it was the same thing 90s into the like early 2000s would all would if i was home would totally watch the like the two or three times the simpsons would come on on the local fox like mm-hmm. the reruns you know and that was great. And then I just remember thinking at the time, like, wouldn't it be great to like just have ep- every episode of like a TV <laughs> show? And and now it's like you you basically have that. Uh, although like I, I think it's weird like that now a lot of that's on streaming. I mean because you know you pay more for it. But like I I do like the idea of having like the physical copy. I think I have. I think I I was at the this was and this is again years ago when it started, but. I think I have the first eight seasons of the Simpsons on DVD, you know, like those are the ones you need. Right. Then I just like, I sort of stopped. uh, I remember at years ago, um, they had a deal on at Best Buy on 24 where it was like, I want to say 20 bucks a season or something like, which was low at the time. It seemed like, I don't know if that seems high now or not, but like I was also like super into it at the time. And I just remember buying all those because, because when I, I started 24 in season five, which was a wild thing to do. And then I saw, and then I had to go back to like catch up. (laughs) And so that was, that was amazing. But uh, yeah, what a, what a weird way we consume media. Speaking of consuming Hodad's in San Diego is known for their bacon layer on the burgers. It's uh, so good. <laughs> there are others like Slater's 50-50 mix, the bacon with the that's, hamburger. That's also great. And then uh, make the patties. And, of course, you can just have bacon strips on a burger. Do you have a, a preference when it comes to bacon burgers? I like bacon on a burger, but it, it's a it's a not an every time I get a burger thing. It's yeah. a nice little treat. <laughs> uh, sure. When I, when I particularly want that kind of more rich taste, but for the most part, I, I would uh, go without. Um, and then other than that, it's all, it's all good. I really, really like a Hodad's burger. I'll be, yeah. I will be going to Hodad's at least once when I'm in San Diego. Um, I'm in LA and then I'm in San Diego probably twice. Um, and I really, really like that. But I also, I kind of, I think I might slightly more appreciate 
having just a few strips because then you get a bite without one, a bite with it, and it, that kind of juxtaposition is really nice. I think strips are the way to go usually. Uh, Hodad's is very unique. Like it's a they disc. Do, like, right, <laughs> it's they, and, and it's and it's and it's good. Like it's separate. Whereas Slater's was a good burger, but to me it's weird because they they like mix it into the patty, and that that like it's hard to cook evenly. Like mm. you know the burger when you're doing that. Like so, and it's a little bit weird. It's still good. Like it's really good, but like. Yeah, maybe. I, but Hodad's is so good. I um, I have a Hodad story that's sort of Hodad's adjacent. Uh, one, uh, it was it's in oh, the the original is in Ocean Beach, mm-hmm. um, and um, right like the street you just you basically can walk to the beach like literally right there, um, and there's a few like bars and other restaurants next to it, and there's usually a wait and it's really crowded inside, but it's worth it. It's really good, um, but. One time, uh, I had some friends from high school. They were, I think, they were down for Comic Con, and this was like early-ish Comic Con. It's not like the industrial complex that it is now, but like, so they were down for that. So we we hung out a little bit, and um, we went to. We meant to go to like one bar, like I don't I don't can't remember if it was right next to it or almost next to it. And we accidentally walked into the wrong place. And it was like this little pizza place that also had like taps. And uh, so we're like, okay, we'll stay here for a little bit because it was fine. And then um, we look up and I, they had like all the um, tap handles like on the wall and the ceiling. And if they, you know, brought something, they would change the tap handle and stuff. So it was cool. But one of the things they had there was, um, I don't remember the exact ale, uh, but it was, New Belgium um, Brewing Company, who makes Fat Tire, they had like an Eric's something ale. I want to mm-hmm. say it was peach at the time because I couldn't find it like before we recorded. But the the timing of this was hilarious because, like, literally weeks before, like a few weeks before, I was in Colorado, um, visiting uh, my uncles out there, and um, one of my cousins is a huge Fat Tire fan, and the brewery is like in Longmont or like right near, they live in like Longmont or the, my uncle lives in Longmont. So we, we did a tour of the brewery. And if I would have known at the time they had a, something that was Eric's ale, I would have bought like a shirt. I would have bought whatever they had. Right. (laughs) And so I didn't know about this. I was very like, it was, it was sort of bittersweet, but that said that place had awesome pizza uh, and, and really good beer. And, and then we also went to Odette. The so 50-50 blend of fresh, strong golden lager and three-year wild beer. Peach is added, then repitched with lager yeast using the fructose for the final fermentation. Look, I, I'm, I'm willing to uh, taste it, realize it's not very good, and then still defend it to the death for years. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally ready. Um, I don't I don't know if it, I mean, I'm sure with all the breweries in this day, I'm sure there's a Jacob beer or something like that but i i don't know of it i'm gonna just google jacob beer the, the jacob beer in era mm-hmm. uh, uh um i'm getting people named jacob beer brought up that's not helpful that's... Uh, <laughs> uh fun times uh well, so once... i'm i'm looking forward to uh a dodgers rewind featuring uh vicente romo man what if, yeah we, we gotta do that for sure I, I'm. I did not know the the 14 year apart thing really threw me. 
uh, that was that was fun. So I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into him and see what we can find. We'll definitely do that. But as of now, we're obviously we're gonna both go find bacon and <laughs> <laughs> eat it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, either not next week, but the the pretty soon coming soon to a uh, in person podcast near you. Uh, thanks for listening this week. I'm sure. We'll have more to talk about uh, heading into the postseason next week, but um, that's all for now, and thanks for listening, everybody.